It's DJ EFM, one half of the Drink Champs, and I was just on the Ryan Holtz podcast. Ryan Holtz is a social media and creative marketing agency owner, husband, father, DJ, global citizen, keynote speaker, and is proud to bring you the Ryan Holtz Show podcast. Uh, and welcome to another episode of the Ride Out Show podcast, voted number one black hosted podcast in Canada, the show that helps you upgrade your life personally and professionally. Our next guest is an absolute banger. Uh, it's interesting. Everybody knows him as DJ EFN, but I thought, what the hell is this guy's name? It's Eric Fernando Narciandi. My man, welcome to the show. What's good? What's good? What's good? So, so listen, uh, if, if you are not aware who DJ EFN is, he is uh, the founder of Crazy Hoods and also one half of a, an amazing podcast show called Drink Champs. Uh, my first question to you, man, is how's your day going? I know you're coming off the business call. What is a normal, what's a normal day look like for DJ EFN uh, in 2022 so far? These days, uh, I be on daddy duty a lot. That's what a normal day is for me. I have a I have a one year old and a three year old, and in the morning uh, I take the daddy duties with the baby, and I be one hand daddy duty, the other hand is on the phones and and, and answering emails, and and that's what that's what my mornings are usually like. And then in the afternoon I hit the office in the studios where I'm at right now and keep working. I love that, man. You know what? And uh, one-year-old, congratulations, by the way. How many kids Thank do you, you have? In to- how many kids do you have in total? Two, two, two. two. I have a daughter. She's three, and my son's one. So I have a two-year-old queen and a five-year-old king. So when I tell you I know oh, right what you're there. doing, we're, we're, we're right one in the same. My wife and I, we both operate a business, and Thank God for a calendar because we kind of, we said early on, you know, we don't want to put our children in childcare. So literally, you know, my butt, my, my, my hand could be in like a diaper <laughs> and oh, yeah, reaching yeah. for everything I need to do and then hop on and chat with you. And that is, that's true life. I take pride in changing diapers, man. It's, it's, the, it's the one job that I know I'm doing right. <laughs> so let me, let me ask you this. So how old is your oldest story? She's three. She's going to be four uh, in May. So how has this impacted the way you calibrate and navigate your life since having children as a dad? I think it's so important. It's changed everything, uh, completely everything. I, I thought of having children, you know, since I was young, I've always wanted to have kids, but I held off because mm. I wanted to, 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 you know, pursue my career and work mm. and, and make sure that the time was right. I found out that it's never the right time and it's always mm. the right time to have kids, you know, but... You know, when when my daughter was born, it was early on when Drink Champ started really taking off. Mm. And I was doing my documentary films where I travel the world doing that. And and so it's it made it rough because I really wanted to be present and, and I am present with my kids. And so mm. it did change it changed my focus in a lot of ways. And and you know, but it invigorated a lot of my other focus in other things, you know, to, mm. to make sure that that I, I create a, a living for the family that, that's that's well worth it all. No, I'm a business person too. I come from the business battlefield and it's it's interesting, you know, I, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time, but I think about it and I'm, you know, there's that saying that is always, it always rings true is, you know, success without soulfulness is truly an empty victory. And I always say to myself, what would my kids say about their dad? Um, you know, success, all that. But, you know, I have a lot of people I've literally came in contact with that, their kids can't stand them and they got all the money in the world you know they're loaded they're all this and they're like my my dad my mom just they were not there for me 
And I, it breaks my heart because as a father, you know, I always say in my life, father is number one. Everything else around that around, in my life revolves around that. To me, if I'm doing good at that, everything else can be negotiated at some point. Do you feel that way? Absolutely. I mean, to me, wealth is not doesn't equal money. Mm. Wealth is is is, is happiness. Uh, your family being well, having roof over their heads, uh, being able to 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 do things for them and give them the things that they need. You know, and that doesn't necessarily equal lots of money. You know, mm. I know a lot of people that do it with almost no money. Um, mm. And you know, everybody wants to acquire money, but that's mm. not what wealth is. And 100%. I come from a broken home where my father wasn't really around. And, and, you know, that's definitely a chip on my shoulder where I'm, I'm you know, my plan is to never be that for my mm. children. I want to be there all the time. For them. Now, let me ask you that, too, because I, I was raised by a single mom and I, I always go back to little increments like the wall behind me. I call it uh, the I am enough wall. It's a wall that for me has mementos on there where whenever you start doubting yourself or kind of, you know, maybe your mindset goes into a little bit of that victimhood. You know, it's something that always brings me back. So I have a football helmet because for me. My dad growing up was football coaches, was teachers. And I will never forget the feeling I had when you'd get awards and you'd be looking out and, you know, every other kid's parents are there, the dad's there throwing the ball, all this. And you just had nothing. And that feeling alone, I don't know if you're like this, but for me, I, I need to create um, fail-safe situations in my life that literally piss me off because I do my best work when I get extremely mm. motivated. Sure, I always say... Real. I always say when you're thinking, listening, and willing to take action, you're dangerous. Mm -hmm. And so for me, there's certain moments that I purposely go back to in my life to piss me off. For you, how did you say, hey, I come from a broken home. Uh, I didn't have my dad. Now you're a father. How have you transitioned some of that emotion into, into power, so to speak? Yeah, well, I mean, what you said, I did that all my life. Mm. It's, part, it's part of... The reason why my company is called Crazy Hood Productions. Mm. That's where the crazy part is. And our slogan <laughs> is, who's crazy? And it's really rhetorical. It's, it's and it was because I was always tapping into my crazy mm. as a source of energy. Early on, it was hard to control it. And then when I was able to harness it, you know, mm. then it, it, it worked, you know, it worked out better. But the way that that transformed itself with my children is that I realized that that energy has to be purely in and just making sure that that the family is stable that that, that i you know i create a home for the family mm. and, and just and and that's where i kind of like put that energy in I, I really don't tap into it like i used to i just there's a comfort in knowing that it's there yes yes know? and that and you know and there's a comfort in knowing that maybe you could even kind of control it it probably can't really control it to be honest with you, but the thought of saying, okay, I have this energy in me that if need be, it needs to come out. Um, you know, maybe that's the protective father and, and husband, or maybe, you know, the, the, whatever it is that it needs to happen, but it's there. But I, I don't necessarily release it like I used to. I, li I like that. You know, it's interesting. I, I think that human beings that, you know, especially when you come from a lot of greatness, when you really derive the emotion psychologically, I like to study brains for a living. Cause I feel like once you understand a human's brain, you can really start doing big things in the world. But when we de derive greatness, especially when you study some of the best in the world in all industries, a lot of it is derived from pain and Absolutely. suffering. And so when you're surviving, I always say, somebody who's surviving, like a mad respect, I've been there, and you're just trying to get through the day, so to speak. You know, you're just trying to like, let's, can we get to tomorrow? 
But once that person can pull themselves out of survival mode into this situation where they're like, okay, I got a little bit of calm happening in my life. To me, that's when somebody gets dangerous because that's when you can start thinking, strategizing and figuring out how you want to navigate. And with what's going on in the world with the pandemic, you see, you know, to, to apply force, so to speak, from like a higher power, you feel, you really see that, you know, people try to keep people in a place of survival because you don't necessarily do your best work then. You don't have the state of calm to think. For you coming from where you come from, is you feel at a certain part of your life that, okay, I'm not just surviving anymore. I'm kind of thriving. I'm kind of on the offense. Was there a moment where you kind of said, all right, this is different. It's a little different now. There, it, there is, but I don't like to live in that space because mm. I also have had, a, you know, and, and anybody that's, I mean, in any, I think in any industry, to be honest <laughs> with you, anybody that's an entrepreneur or anything can understand that there's, there's so many ups and downs, you know, the mm. life, life is like an ocean, you know, with the waves and, and you know, it crashes, it, it goes up, it goes down. And so I don't like to get too comfortable mm. because I've been on the other side of when the crash happens. Ooh. And yes. so that's what I'm trying to say is like, I always feel like I, I, I suppress the crazy in me, but know it's there because my goal is to, is to maintain a stability for my family. Now, when I didn't have a family, I let it loose because it didn't matter. I'll take whatever True. comes, I'll hit the True. ground, I'll crash all the way, but then I'll come back up <laughs> yeah. and crash again. Yeah. No fear, but I need to have a little bit of that fear to maintain the stability for the family. So yeah, I, I definitely understand. And to, and to tr backtrack a little bit, when you mentioned looking, when like your father figures were the coaches and all that, mm. that's what hip hop music became for me. Mm, it yes. became my surrogate father. And, and, you know, obviously, you know, I have to give props to my mom because she instilled enough in me that I took mostly, not everything, but mostly the good things that I can get out of hip hop music mm. and out of the lyrics to apply it what I didn't have coming from my father. Mm, mm. You know, and so it, it helped me navigate in a time when I was a young man needing that that male figure in my life. It's so interesting too because I watch when you're interviewing people, and uh, you you and you and your you and your cohort Nori are, are very different personalities. In my Absolutely. opinion, he's he's crazy and blah, blah, you know make some right. noise. Like I was gonna have the air horns going on today and right. throwing alcohol in the air, but. You know, I thought, and, and I look at you and you're always the, the voice of reason in the conversation. Like, you know, he's going on a tangent and then you're like, but wait a second, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's, let's dive deeper on this. You, you're an excellent listener. Like you can really tell you're listening to what the person's saying. Is that something you've always been? Because when you say who's crazy, how did you go from, hey, I, I got the crazy to being this very like chill Hey, I'm taking it all in and I'm able to listen and stay very grounded. I mean, I understood what was needed in the dynamic for drink champs to survive. Mm. Two Norries would not, drink champs would not be here today. Clutch, clutch. You know, so. Huge. So I needed to, and to me, I've never, I don't work from, at least I try not to work from a place of ego. And where I need to insert myself, Ooh. where I need to do certain things, mm. I'm, you know, and, and I am a student. Of, I, I really love the culture and I'm a student of the culture. So when we have people, I want to hear their stories and, 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 and give my input when when I feel that I want to give my input when I think that it's needed. But again, you know, I feel like it's, it's perfect because if, if, 
if there were two Norries there, I guarantee you there would be no drink champs today. <laughs> and, and so, but if you were to hang out with me and my friends, and you could, my girl can attest to this, um, you're hanging out with, you know, I'm Cuban, Colombians, Jamaicans, Haitians. Yes we're, yes. we're from South Florida. We're drinking and we're all talking crazy and talking over each other. And and you'll you'll see me acting the way, you know, that I probably don't <laughs> act on Drink Champs behind, you know, behind yeah. closed doors of my friends, you know? Yeah. yeah. I find that interesting how you're basically saying, look, I, I know there's a time and a place to be certain yeah. things. Yeah. Not, not all things, so to speak. Right. It, how, how have you calibrated yourself that way? I find it interesting because I always say, hey, if you see a show, it's like having, you know, we have guests on the show and it's like, what questions you want to ask them? I never, I never, ever get questions pre-done. I, I, I study them. I've watched so much video on you, uh, but I don't like the whole Q&A thing. But what I find more fascinating is what can I figure out about this person that I can't find on Google? How can I, how can I get to know DJ EFN on a, on a level that's not on his Instagram, you know? And so when I look at the success that you guys have had at Drink Champs, I, I go back to the architecture of it, the blueprint, you know, how you guys have, have built it. And one key thing you just said was two Norries is not going to make that show propel the way it has. How did you know that going forward? Was that something you got, you and him both stepped into saying, or is it something you just kind of gravitated to as you went through it? Yeah, no, we definitely didn't go in. We were already working a lot together. We, we just had a lot of synergy uh, in, in the things that we were doing, and we complemented each other, and and we just started to eventually do Drink Champs. I don't know if you've heard the Drink Champs story. I've said it. I have, yeah. I said. And so when we finally started, it, it just, this is what it is. You know, it's, mm. you know, nor, I'm very lucky to have someone like Nori on the show with me who who's a legend in his own right. He's a legend. And having the personality he has, because that's a big driving force of the show. And he, and a lot of the weight of the conversation is on him, mm. you know, but I, I am that balance to the show. But he, that he, he likes that. He likes that though. That guy, he likes to talk. Of course. He no, loves of course. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Two Norries yeah. wouldn't make drink champs. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> yeah, that's so, true. but, but you know, that's, it, it, we didn't go into it premeditated that this is the way it's going to go down. But I, you know, again, I don't operate from a place of ego or, or at least I try not to, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, every, we're all human, but of course. I, I realized that, that that's not what I'm trying to do. In fact, if, if it was up to me, I probably wouldn't even be on camera to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I'm a DJ. I'm, I play the back role that, you know, I like to manage artists. I, I like to produce artists. I, I like to do everything behind the scenes, but sometimes to get things done, right to get things done efficiently you have to insert yourself in that and so i'm basically a placeholder for my interests <laughs> absolutely no I, no absolutely but i but to me that that that's that's so you know that's deep because i think about it right like you are a dj um and what i love about your story and what you guys have done because I, I the business person in me loves this is that you said well let's take the culture and not just be like a dj but let's create a media entity around our passion. And so you guys have a show that's a media entity. I mean, man, you know, advertisers and owning your own content and all this stuff. Right. And I love that. A lot of people say, hey, what's going on? Like COVID and the pandemic and all that. I always say, man, I'm like, there's opportunities, you know, uh, inch by inch, life's a cinch. Yard by yard, life is hard. Right. But when you look in those little inch moments, there's opportunity. So for you, is that something if you're to go previous to drink champs that you said, Hey, I would love to have a show that brings on some of the, you know, cultural icons that I look up to. Is that something you had in, as a game plan or is that something that presented itself? It, it was, it was like a game plan without speaking about it. Nori was the mm. one that said legends only, which 
which in all honesty, you know, our fans took that to heart. So whenever they mm. we have someone that they don't think is a legend, we hear about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't so much legends only. For me, it's home of legends, which is different. Mm. Home to the legends. Meaning I think it's it's the legend is 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 gonna benefit more if we if we have an array of guests mm. with all kinds of different audiences. So that mm. when that legend and that pioneer comes on the show, who may have not been, you know, on social media as of yet, you know, or just mm. starting to get their, their traction there and, and they don't have that audience, they benefit from all these different people that we have on the show. So mm. my point of view, and I think Nori means it, it's just sometimes he'll say things the way he says them, um, is really that we are, we we like to think of ourselves as a, as a safe place and a home for the legends and the pioneers that they don't have to be on a on a press run they don't have to have a new project mm. out they just need to be uh revered in the culture for us to want to have them on and have some kind of a legacy mm. and, but we're not excluding a newer artist or mm. an actor or a comedian because to me it's always going to be hip-hop regardless of the mm. guest because of me and nori we are hip-hop you are mm. on a hip-hop show therefore mm. this whole thing is hip-hop Mm. You know, it's interesting because I, I feel like there's two factors to the, sh- the success of your show. One is alcohol. I mean, come on now, right? You, you, you're, right. Getting everybody, you're getting everybody to that's, chill out. That's the third host. <laughs> that, 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 yeah, that, that media training's getting a little bit, you know, right. fuzzy because of the cognac or whatever right. you're drinking. <laughs> but the second thing is that you said it earlier, you created a safe space to have unsafe conversations. And that right. to me is like the art of what you guys are doing. What, people are listening to the show because we have a lot of business people, but we lo- a lot of people like hip-hop and entertainment. What would you say to somebody that says, because I know you talk on the subject of, you know, successful podcasts and all that. What would you say to somebody that says, yo, DJ EFN, you guys got your niche. You're, you're in the hip-hop scene. That wasn't hard to pick. You wanted to do a hip-hop show. What would you say to up-and-coming podcast hosts or people that want to create their own show? Should they pick a niche? Because everybody says, you know, try to go a little bit more thorough. You're competing with 2 million plus podcasts in the world. Celebrities are getting on board now because they're at home doing whatever, right? Right. What would you say to somebody that's thinking about creating a show at this point? I would say create it without the the idea that or or putting the pressure on yourself that it has to be an immediate success. Mm. Um Drink Champs was an anomaly. We were lucky. We caught lightning in a bottle. We came at the perfect timing for, mm. a, for a hip-hop show because hip-hop wasn't really doing this that much. It was a mm. couple, and respect to all the, the hip-hop podcast pioneers, um, but it wasn't, it didn't go mainstream. It wasn't popular. It wasn't cool. It was considered mm. like only nerds listen to podcasts. You know? That's what <laughs> yeah. people in yeah, hip-hop yeah. were thinking. So true. So true. You, know? so true. you could barely yeah. tell hip, some guys in hip-hop to... <laughs> But look at emails. So, <laughs> That's so it's, true. It's, just, it's, it's true. so true. It's so true. So, so when we came on, I remember having our, our first year of guests and all of our guests were like, I don't know what this is, but I'll do it because it's you guys, you know, because it's Nori. <laughs> yeah. And, but I don't, and now all of them have their own shows, you know? Yes. So, so I would just say, you know, finding your niche is, is, is beautiful if you can figure it out. But more so to me, me personally, mm. everything is consistency. Mm. Go mm. in, create a plan for yourself, give mm. yourself a realistic time frame to see if it works and or if you have to uh, pivot, mm. you know, and do it from the heart because you love it. 
speak in your own voice. Don't try to mm. be somebody else. A lot yes. of people do yes. media and pick up another person's personality or they yeah. have another persona. Unless maybe that's your thing. You're creating a persona. That's yeah. some people. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but do it consistently. Allow it to 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 you know develop itself and and then you know and start just looking at it in time. Like okay, six months, three months from now. How am I doing? And what is success to you? Again, mm. like I said about wealth, success is different for different people. Maybe yes. someone success to them is having a hundred listeners all of a sudden, mm. having a thousand listeners. Maybe mm. to them is getting uh, revenue from ads, and that's what success, mm. regardless of what the impact is, listenership wise. Figure out what success means to you. You know. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because I, you know, people listen to this, you know, I mean, and I've said this on my show tons of times, but I said one of the motivations for me to create a show was I've always loved TV and radio and here in Canada, I've done some of that. But by the time the producer gets involved, your original idea just sucks shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, and I, I and I don't like the non-ownership aspect to it. But one thing that I look for in interviews and podcasts, and I think people that are coming into the space need to, to really think about is how are you conducting the interview? if you're going to have a guest-based show. And what I see a lot of is that Q&A draw. And, you know, I ask you a question, you give me an answer. To me, that's flat. It's so flat, right? Where I feel like only a handful of people, even in the podcast game, can really pull out that Oprah Winfrey-style conversation where she can make anybody seem like it's just a friend she's talking to. Mm -hmm. And that's what you guys do. When you look at your show, it's just so off the cuff that you're just drawn in because you're like, this is like real entertainment that I'm getting right now. And they're seeing a lot of their favorite, you know, artists come on the show saying things that they would never say, you know, before or would be very like, boom, like we're not talking about that. Um, For you, do you see Drink Champs as a portal to really expose other avenues of the culture? We, We weighed out a question to our social media for you and we picked one of them by the flyest guy at Instagram. And he said, I would love to ask DJ EFN is, why is there no show out there strictly dedicated to pioneer DJs of the culture? And I don't know if that's a fair question, but I understand kind of where he's coming from to that. Well, are you sure there isn't? Maybe there isn't, it hasn't, people haven't, you know, heard of it or paid attention enough or it it caught, you know, steam. In fact, we have some friends Shout out to Scram Jones, producer out there, big producer, and DJ Butchrock, who's who's Nori's DJ. They they are are embarking on producing a DJ mm. channel. Mm. Ooh, our turntable. Ooh. I forget what the exact name that they decided, but they're they're gonna start producing that, and that's dedicated to DJs. And I would just say for anybody out there, again, if you don't see it out there, create it. Mm. Go out mm. there and do it. I, I mean, if, if 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 you feel that that's something that you would do, but. You know, one thing, and, and I want to go back to another question that you asked in terms of like what the mind frame we came in for what Drink Champs was going to be. The mm. actual idea was to bring those same conversations that were happening backstage or in the studio, which usually revolved Ooh. around some drinks too. Yes, yes. And that's what we wanted to bring into the podcast world. That's what we mm. wanted to put on you know, record, record those type of conversations where it was basically peers talking with one another, talking shop. Mm. And, and that's what, that's what it was. That was the idea behind it. You know, when we first started, let's bring those kind of conversations out into the open. 
Mm. And, and I would, you know, and then again, as far as the the pioneers and the DJs, I just think that we're trying to do that. You know, we can only do so much and bring so many people. But I, I would say if you're a content creator, look at the landscape, see what's missing, see what you would want to, mm. you know, to be out there and try to create it if you can. Because you are an artist, I mean, by the true definition of it with music and DJing and stuff like that, what, what, what are your thoughts around mastery? Because I look at, I mean, you could take Picasso or you could take any of these artists that, you know, boom, they're known, um, but they spent a good majority of their life crafting and honing their one skill. And I admire that because I feel like in the world, we don't talk a lot about people that did seven things great it's almost impossible to some degree just by sheer time but we talk about most people who've done one thing ridiculously well mastered it almost for you as a dj and artist now kind of stepping into that media game and an interviewer and you're a journalist i mean you know you're you're asking I would never call myself that. i know i know i know but but i'm gonna call you it because i know it's something you would never step into but right. you have to admit you are into the media game and you right, are right, yeah. so for sure by serendipitous you call yourself a placeholder we could call that too how do you feel about that because i i know you giggle at it because you're like man i'm a dj i don't even sometimes i'm sitting there and i don't even know what the fuck i'm doing right now like but True. this is fun and it's doing good how have you as an artist said all right uh, you know focused on the dj now i'm kind of you know focusing on other things as well how, how has that been a balance for you I mean, I, I just, I look at everything and I treat everything the same way. I try to have the same outlook I had when I, when I decided I wanted to, to, to be involved in hip hop as a career. Cause mm. before, you know, not many people could say this nowadays, just the way things are. Before I got into hip hop as a career, I was just a fan of the culture. I was a fan, mm. a participant. I was in mm. the culture, living the culture. Mm. I wasn't trying, <laughs> I wasn't asking for the culture to give me anything. Yes, yes. You know, it, 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 not that, that it wasn't already given me by the music and by the culture itself. So once I decided to to make a career of it, I said, okay, I want to treat this professionally, as, as professionally as I can for someone mm. who has no professional background, who has mm. no schooling in business. Mm. But I, I, but I'm, you know, I want, I can learn by just seeing the things that I was reading articles with interviews with people doing what I want to do and piecing it together and applying that. And let let me interject I, here. Let me interject yeah. here on that though. Is there anybody out there that you're like, I love their interview style. You know, I, I pulled a piece from that or I learned a little bit by, is there anybody out there where you're like, I just love how they do it. I've learned from them and kind of made some of that my own, so to speak. Is there any inspiration for that? Specifically to drink champs? No. Okay. Okay. Cool. You know, and, and and I'll tell you this to be quite honest with you. If it was a show that it was just me, just like how mm -hmm. you're doing with me right now, I probably would look around and try to study someone more to, mm -hmm. to kind of like gain certain skills. But I'm very lucky. I have a crutch, a, a big crutch. It's mm -hmm. normal. Yes. It's this yes. legend that speaks volumes and, and I don't have to pull that weight. He's yes. there and I can just sit there and do the organic conversation. You know, yes. I can just sit there and say, oh, okay, he said this. this oh, you, I have an, I have a thought. I have a, mm. I have a rebuttal. I have a question. And I can do that, you know, seamlessly because I have Nori there. Mm. Who takes on most mm. of the weight of the show. You know, I got to mm. give him all that credit because he deserves mm. it. And so I'm lucky in that way. But honestly, I wouldn't want the show to be, never to be that, that Q&A, that like what you've been mm. saying, to, to, to take on this like, journalistic skill or or, or <laughs> yes. you know, interview skill. Yeah. I, 
Yeah, I wouldn't, yeah. Have, I wouldn't enjoy it, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's even hard to enjoy it sometimes now because it's become such a juggernaut. There's so much pressure on it. Yeah. I really, I'm a fan of things when they're new, when when they're when they're underground, you know? Yeah, yeah, I'm, one yeah, of those, yeah, yeah. I'm one of those guys that love the artists when they're underground and be like, yeah. oh man, they're mainstream yeah. now. Yeah. And, and, you and like so, that initial, you, know, you like that initial climb up. You like when it's just like, you're throwing shit together, trying to make something. Yeah, Don't know what's man. gonna be, and once you know, all, I call it the bean counters of the business people come in and try to refine it. You're like, whoa, whoa, slow it down a bit, slow it right. down a bit. Well, we, you know, we've we've we're very controlling of our of our show and how it works yes. to the point where it's it's wild behind the scenes. But <laughs> going back again, my what I have the most fun at is bringing everything I've learned all these years with all my mm. different endeavors, mm. and then applying it to drink champs mm. behind the scenes and in our, in our business structure and, and everything we do, that's been the funnest. And because if you, if you think about it, we're, we were, when the internet came to play and when people started going viral, I don't know about you, but myself, I remember always scratching my head, like, how does someone go viral, man? This has to be the Illuminati. This is, this is Russian bots. Like this is yes. someone's paying for this. I couldn't believe, you know, that someone just went viral. Until it happened to us when we started with Drink Champs and our yes. thing started going viral. And I'm like, oh, people actually go viral. And then what follows viral is, you know, opportunity and, and business mm-hmm. ventures, and especially in media. And I was able to, to, to just like apply all these things I had learned into this juggernaut we were creating. And, and, and it was very fulfilling. It was fulfilling to be able to give back to the culture, give something mm. that hopefully the culture looks back on and says that was a dope era, you know? You know, I think I think that's great. I, I, I It's interesting because when you look at virality, right? I own a marketing agency. So people say, hey, Ryan, what's the difference between branding and marketing? Branding is the hello. Branding is to even get to the point of like sitting down and having a conversation. Marketing right. takes you through to the transaction of the actual sale. So when you talk about virality, when we push out content, we're always looking for brands because we do stuff for like, for like Ford, Toyota. We look at, we look at, okay, what is somebody going to click on? Now, if you're scrolling through your phone on Instagram and you see something overly produced, your mind is triggering that you're almost watching an ad. And yep. the moment you think you're watching an ad, you're like, fuck that. Yep. But if I show you some bullshit cell phone video, you're like, whoa, what's going on here? And it triggers in your mind. Maybe I should click on that and watch that. So there's definitely an art to put that out. For you guys in Drink Champs, it's interesting because I think if you look at where you guys started and where you are now, we we call it thought quality versus production quality. So at the beginning of any show, in my opinion, your production quality is never going to be as it was, you know, episode one is going to look different <laughs> than episode 100, right? For you, have you, you guys think you've put a lot more thought quality as you've, you know, mashed out the episodes or more production or both? It's a little bit of both and, <clears throat> and also a lack of both. <laughs> you know, That's awesome. <laughs> you know, there's, there's so, That's the so best answer ever. This is what this is where the magic is. I feel in Drink Champs, it's the yin and yang of myself and Nori. I mean, we solely control Drink Champs. We are yeah. the owners. We yeah. own it outright. We own the IP and everything. We have management that that's a part of it and helps us. But it all boils down to myself and Nori. He has a different outlook. He might not care about production quality. <laughs> I might fight, I might care about production quality. Yeah. You know, I might I'm I'm I come from marketing. I did a lot of of the the street team stuff back in this for the labels and the big brands and and I did that Gorilla. for years. And yeah. yeah, so I learned, you know, working in it. 
So I worked in marketing and promotions and all that stuff. So, you know, I, I'm all about rollouts and campaigns. So Drink Champs, I feel the success in what worked is the mashing of these two thoughts where mm. he wants to be a little bit more unorthodox in what we mm. do. And I want to kind of be, you know, like in line. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. we find like the middle ground that yeah. works. Sometimes yeah. his wild thing that I'm like, this is crazy yeah. works. And yeah. sometimes, and, and I think the consistency that I'm applying, the guaranteeing that's going to happen, the branding, the the logo, the, the look, that is working as well. So those two yeah. things work together to make. that. That's the DJ in you, though. You're, you're, yeah. you're counting those beats. You're like, am I dropping it on the one? Right. Or, right. you know, like you're no, a no, beat I, I'm so you, Nori's DJ you, in this whole you, thing. You, I'm the you one. Are all, you are all about synchronicity. You're like, no, no, no. Like, this has to flow, man. Like, yeah, pun yeah. intended, right? Yeah, so, yeah, we we call ourselves the podcast version of Eric B and Rakim. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's a that's a great comparison. I like that. Right. Yeah, it, it's interesting. What would you say to people? See, uh, and you know this. I mean, even in business or you know, culture, whatever you want to call it, relationships are extremely important to cultivate. You know that. What do you say to people that say, "Look, I'm getting into the media game, or I started a, a show, and I want to have X Y Z celebrity on my show." How does somebody that, let's just say that they have no celebrity, barely following, how does that person give upfront value and leverage something to somebody who's already up there so that the somebody that up there says, you know what, I'm gonna give this person a shot. Instead of doing the, I call it the 60 year old dude move, like, can I get this? Can I get this now? Like, would you, I'd love for you to be on my show. It's like, don't do that, don't do that, right. don't do that. What would you say to somebody that says, I'm just trying to create relationships and try to approach the situation with, with as much value as I possibly can. Because I feel like people that are at the top, they still have certain needs and problems that they are looking for solutions all the time. How does somebody identify those? Well, you, you that's a loaded question. Yeah, you I, me. I, I asked six part <laughs> questions, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm still analyzing everything you asked me. But in a nutshell, I think what you're asking me a, I would say that, first of all, you you make sure that if you're going to, if you want these celebrities or or anybody that's already, you know, in a sense, is they're going to bring more value than you have to offer. Make sure that w your content looks good. It's, it's, <laughs> you know I'm saying that, you, you know what I mean? At the very least, that it looks good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Don't come up broke down. Don't do right. that. Don't make broke sure down your, content. <laughs> your your approach is, is polite and, and yeah. you know, I, I'm big on this thing that I that I call uh, polite persistence. Ooh, ooh I like where that. That's a, those are two good words. I'm, there's nothing wrong with cold calling people or approaching people, um, but just be polite mm. and be persistent, and then be persistent until they say no. If they say no, or if they give you, if they block you, <laughs> <that's saying> no. <laughs> um, then that's it. It's it's a wrap, and you don't take it personal. Yes. Because it's never person. But let's talk about this, though. There's persistence. Then there's creepy. Then there's stalker. Then there's weird That's and not why good. The polite and you're part done. Yeah, but, uh, but you, there's polite weirdos out there, man. You know that. Like, the, the person there, hey, man, what's going on? And you're like, whoa, that, that went sideways quick. Right. <laughs> you know what it is, though? Oftentimes, <laughs> people aren't looking at themselves from the outside like look at yourself yeah. from the outside and make sure you seem like someone wants that someone wants to talk to you 
Like, you know, someone will hit me up and be like, yo, man, I really want you on my podcast, brother. And I look on their shit and they got like skulls and Illuminati oh. and, and, and and conspiracy theories and they, their images look crazy. And, they, you know, it's like, yeah. let's be honest with each other. Like, look, you know, like, <laughs> like if I'm going to step to Oprah, I got to be like, I, I got to, if Oprah looks at drink chance, make some noise and she's not going to fuck with me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Like, be honest with yourself, man. Like, what no, do you but, have to offer on first glance, you know? But here's what I, where I'm asking this question, because this is what I find so interesting, especially, and you know this now being like the, the interview media journalism, blah, blah, blah right. game. It's a, it, it's a relationship. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a push and pull effect, right? It's, it's, I give the analogy of marriage, right? If I was to go on, like when I went, when I, I, I'm married, when I went on the first date with my wife, if I was to sit down and say, honey, we're gonna have two children. We want rental properties, revenue streams, businesses, and all this. You're fucking creepy, bro. Like I'm never like don't call me again. Right. But it's an organic thing. Go on a date, build some rapport. Go on another date, build some rapport. I like to give. It's funny in in our show we're very unique. So people will say, hey Ryan, you got some amazing talent guests on. Blah blah blah. How do you do it? And I like to ask the person in the interview. So for example. I found you through, I think it was um, DJ, uh, sorry, uh, Sean Prez. Sean Prez, he does the move makers. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, he was yeah. a bad boy exec or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I used to work. I used to work for him doing marketing for bad boy. Good yeah, and all of a sudden he was, I think I think he was doing something and then I seen you and I'm like, oh, this is great. And that's how I got, I, f I followed you, I think, I mean, probably a year ago, man. Like, I don't even know how long I've, I've been seeing your content roll down. Right. And I thought in the back of my head, I gotta have that guy in the show. But now is not the time, <laughs> right? right? It's that situational, emotional intelligence that people don't tend to have. But I looked at everything you did and I said, well, I got to hit you up. And so for me, I just feel like sending a text is boring. So right. I got I to gotta get the voice message, right? Because I think how people can sell themselves is why would, why would DJ EFN want to talk to this guy for 30 to 60 minutes? Well, show him through your voice. Give him some sort of vibe. And to me, that's been a big, a big winner for us. So I tell people all the time, flip your phone around, man, and send a video audio invite. You'd be surprised how that kind of. I have to say something though, to be careful giving that advice because okay. re remember what I said, make sure your shit looks good at least. Yeah. Yes. Cause I, I'm scared clicking on voice memos when they come in and my DS. Oh, you are, eh? What to expect. I don't know. If I don't know what the hell I'm about to hear. <laughs> You know, and I don't want to hear it. I, I can't unhear it at that point. You know, so yeah, you know, you you just never know. That's something. At, at least a text, you know, you can start to read it, and ah, this is crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the voice, I don't know. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna look. Okay, who is this person? Yeah, who has the audacity to send me a voice? <laughs> <laughs> and I go and I look, and I'm like, oh, this guy seems like a positive dude. See, that's the other thing too, man. Like that's why I say polite persistence. Yes. Positive. It's all about, you know, like you got to kind of like your, your positivity has to shine through your messages yes. because man, there's just so much negativity out there that people just don't want to entertain that. Yes. At all. But look and, what and, you just said. Who has the audacity, auda <laughs> you audacious bastard for sending me a voice memo, but it got your attention. So, right, but then you're right. like, whoa, whoa, before I open this up and cause myself mental issues, because it could be something really bad, <laughs> let's go check who the person is. And then you're like, wait a second, seems legit. 
But when you get back to that voice message, if it's like respectful and good, come on, it's got right. impact. And, and all jokes aside, the real reason why I don't like to listen to voicemails because often I'm around my family. And oh, I don't know yeah. what what the yeah. voice what they're gonna be saying, yeah. you know. Yeah. So if it was me at the right here in the in the office in the studio, I don't know. I listen to whatever, you know what I'm saying. But that's usually the reason why. So when I, you know, I'll look. In your case, I looked. Oh, this guy seems like a pretty positive dude. Mm. And then you know, then I checked it out, you know, without worried about what you might say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, you got back. I mean, it's it's an interesting. It, it is a push and pull. Um, with Dream yeah, Champ, real quick. Sorry, you said another no, no, thing no. too about. I forget how you worded the the something intelligence. What was it that you said? It, well, it, it's it's the emotional intelligence, you know, kind of coming into how the hell like it, it's uh, it, it is emotional intelligence. I mean, that's the reality. Is that, would you call that gut feeling? <clears throat> I would call that a gut feeling. I, I mean, I one hundred percent. I would also call it. I would call it. A, to be honest with you, I'd mix the gut feeling on one deck with the other deck that's got empathy, meaning. Uh, don't be an egotistical bastard. Figure out sure. who the hell you, who the hell you're going after, and figure out what their vibe is. Right. And right, right. people nowadays, it's like they 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 lack basic respect and regard, so to speak. For sure. So it's like, just could you not roll through the guy's feed for like 30 seconds? Try to figure out what his vibe is. People tell you who they are way before they even show up half the time, if right. you're willing to listen. So that's what I meant about the emotional intelligence. Because because I'm big on on timing on on it on the field. Huge, you know, huge. You know, I'm big on 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 you know making sure you, you know you don't. I'm big on a sense of urgency for sure, but I also am big on timing on something feeling right, and, and yeah, everything you're saying makes a lot of sense. Yeah, what do you what do you think about um, the cross pollination of? You know, you're seeing, I want to get your opinion on this. I, I, I think about it all the time. From the corporate perspective, hip hop is a, such a massive revenue generator. And that's not even just the music. It's the clothing, the Everything. swag, the, the, the finesse, man. Okay. Now, where that money is going, <laughs> a lot of the time, is not really back into the culture, so not to speak. Right? <clears throat> Who's... I shouldn't use the word fault for lack of better words. Who's responsible for that? The creators of the culture. I'm asking you this because I watched something you said. Um, I don't know if it's when you, you did that video where you went over to the, uh, Columbia or something like that. The and you're talking, yeah. And you said, look guys, um, people internationally are starting to look at the hip hop culture in North America is not the best anymore because of where it's going. And you said, we need to kind of rebirth and show that, hey, we're still keeping to those roots and not veering off too much. And I, I found it fascinating because to me, that shows that you're extremely insightful. So that's kind of the premise of the question is, what do you think is the issue and where do you think we need to put the solution on that? Um, there's a lot of issues that, that, you know, we just, too many to unpack, but some yes. of them... When it comes specifically to hip hop, I like to, you know, put blame a lot on on the generation, my generation, in the sense that, um, like, the artists that were coming up in the in the mid to late '90s, that's when the, the industry was making so much money. Mm. I want to make sure my computer doesn't die on you. No, no, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> so I feel that it was a it was a the blame goes on both sides. The industry 
the way it was set up from the beginning. I mean, if you if you want to go back into the history of the music yeah, industry, of course, the mafia, of course. And, you know everything. Like, <laughs> come on, guys. Like, yeah, yeah, dive, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dive into the history of the music industry, and we'll already start to see where the problems are. <laughs> um, yeah. And then the corporate America is the same as the mafia in terms yes. of how they, you know how they yes. take advantage of things. So, and then the, and then these young artists coming from nothing, starting to see some kind of real money. They were just like, I call it where they never wanted to be OGs. They wanted to be YGs for the rest of their life. So they just were like, they, they didn't intend on, on, you know, first of all, fixing the issue because they were making a lot of money and passing on uh, knowledge to the, to the next generation. So the next generation, you know, was kind of lost in a sense. So that, that to me was a part of the problem. And then you have the crash of the industry and artists didn't know what they were doing, you know, like what to do at that point. And it's just, there's just so many deep rooted issues and i mean it boils down to you know capitalism and corporate structures and this that and the other but ultimately i think now we see the value in the culture from the culture standpoint we're seeing the wrongs that have been done because they're evident mm. and i think the culture is starting to finally you know take ownership for some of these issues mm. and find and find ways and interesting and unique ways using the technologies that are available the, the, mm. the new economic landscape with Huge. crypto and all this nfts on and we're yes. trying to figure out ways to repair i don't know if we'll be able to repair all these problems that we mm. have mm. but we're trying to find ways to repair and put back the power and the onus on artists and mm. artistry and culture and the and and history because that's the other mm. thing that we can't lose the history of the culture which is mm. vital and that's what I meant when I travel overseas, they still love, you know, they're, they're still idolizing like a certain school of hip hop, mm. you know, because it got later to them. Mm. And when, and they're living in a lot of times in a lot of these countries, they're impoverished countries. So they, they, they're, they're kind of like how hip hop was when it started from nothing. And mm. all they have, all they care about is making dope music. So they look at us as just money hungry people that don't care about art. We just care Ooh. about cash yeah. economics. <clears throat> so they're like, so they've told us time and time again, without us asking you guys no longer do hip hop. You do business. Ooh. Yeah. And we just got to understand that for what it is. Yeah. I don't know if I answered your question. Sorry. You, I don't you, know if no, I No, 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 no. You did. You did. You did. It was a six part question. So you have to tell me a short story in return for, to the six part <laughs> question. But, <laughs> but, um, what, what I was going to say, that was such a good answer. I think I lost track of thought there for a second. Um, I lose track in the middle of my yeah. <laughs> My girl laughs at me all the time. She goes, there you go. I, I think I had six questions in response to, the, to your answer. But, um, what would you say to people who are, you know, as an artist, it's it's so interesting. I always say, like, a starving artist wasn't broke because their art necessarily wasn't good. It's because nobody knew about it. So there has to be this line of artistry that, hey, if you're good at something, great. But you, at some point in your career as an artist, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to monetize it. You're going to have to bring in economics um, because, you know, you got a family to feed and you need to live life. What would you say to artists out there that are, um, like, for example... I'll get somebody hit me up. Yo, Ryan, how do I get a podcast going, man? The specs. Oh my God, what kind of camera do I got to get? They're so entrenched in the art or in the tech behind it. I'm like, okay, great. But what you need to really be thinking of is how are you going to get people to listen to it? 
How the right. fuck are you going to market what it? What are you doing? What are you doing? I don't even, I don't care if you film your first episode on an iPhone. It's doable. Absolutely. Yep. Right? You need to start thinking about how you're going to like wrap a business around it. And when you, and when you talk to an artist, they're like, yo, bro, I don't want any of that. I just want to paint, man. What do you say to somebody that says, hey, I just want to paint. Uh, I hope somebody discovers me. <laughs> Um, you're amazing with your six part questions and <laughs> your, your shit's like fucking algebra, bro. Like, Listen, we had, do you have, have you heard of that show shark tank before? Yeah, of course. So, so, so we, so we've had Kevin O'Leary on the show and, um, you know, he, he said, everybody says the same thing. Like all guests, I need to start clipping the audio because everybody's like, holy crap, man. You asked six questions in one. It's a thing, man. I, I can't stop it though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. So, okay. I, again, I don't know if I'm going to answer the, the question the way you laid it out in your algebraic form. But um, one of the things that I think people use a lot is they always want to point to the things they need, like the tech behind things, uh, as almost as an excuse as to why something wouldn't work. Uh, like they're already creating a problem or, or creating a reason why something they're doing isn't working by mm. saying, well, I don't have a team. I don't have the cameras. I don't have the equipment. Mm, mm. And I would tell artists this. This is probably the best time to be an artist than ever before. 100%. And to be a pure artist. To be the oh. artist that you want to be. Because oh. the tools that are available for free for artists to create and to put out their stuff and to let it find an audience that likes whatever you're doing, it's never been like that in the past. Never. There was gatekeepers. There was distribution. There was expensive studio time. Everything was expensive, you know? And so I would say to people, listen, stop putting these roadblocks in your way. Stop, stop thinking you need all these things. You don't, if you have a one phone, if you don't have a fucking phone, your friend has a phone. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like mm. if you're that broke that you don't have a phone, Hey, it's still, you're still not in a bad place. Cause someone around you has a phone that'll film you like, there's no excuse not to get started. There's no excuse to, to not do Ooh. the things that you want to do the way you want to do them. Mm. Stop saying you have to do a radio record. That's that, that excuse should not exist anymore because the radio <laughs> isn't as important as it was before. You know, you don't have to do the club banger. Like, no man, there's artists that are making millions doing nothing but underground, you know, dark music because they yeah. found their audience and the, the, the internet is there to find these people, you know, and, and this really just takes you making the effort to do these things, create these things, and you taking the time, and again, going back to consistency, mm. going out there, being consistent, allowing Huge. yourself the time for these things to develop and for them to find an audience, because it may take one guy or one girl a week to find an audience, and it might take you 10 years. It just depends on how much you really want to do this. Oof. But there's no excuse. Huge. Not to be, like, this is the Huge. best time in the history of, I think art for people to just do it. Mm. And they're being compensated. You know, I, I think back to the simplest form, you know, back in the day, you know, culture families, especially, it doesn't matter where you come from, but people have immigrated over to said country. Their parents said, yo man, be an engineer, get education, right. lawyer, accountant, doctor. And now you have these corporations that say, oh, you know how to video edit? I'm gonna pay you $200,000 a year. You know how to chop up videos for Instagram? I'm gonna pay you $175,000 a year to start. That's yeah. art, you know? Yep. And and people are looking for those kind of people in, in droves. I mean, my last couple of questions here, but the one question I have for you is, uh, you know, what what drives you? Like what really motivates you in life? What 
what is the driver? And not, I know, you know, kids and all that, but like, is there right. anything down that just, man, that little voice just keeps kicking your ass every day and you keep getting up and just getting after it. What drives you? I mean, I think that the, the appreciation or better said, you know, just not taking things for granted mm. really drives me because, you know, I just feel like, you know, I feel very lucky to to have been able to to do certain things, doing them from a place of where I know that I come from and, and, and you know, very little resources, very little connection. Mm. And to be able to, to like, I don't, I'm, I'm, see, I'm trying to like answer this correctly because it's like, I'm, I'm, I appreciate that I actually even have a drive. Mm. Not everybody has a drive. And I, you know, I appreciate whatever DNA, whatever my mom did. And even my dad from a distance, because he was an an entrepreneur himself and he was, Mm. he's a war veteran. And even from a distance, I, you know, I admired him. And, and, and appreciated him and, mm-hmm. and, 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 fu- and, and found strength because when I was really young and I was going through hard times, I would say, shit, man, my dad was in, 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 the, in the Vietnam War fighting. Like, mm. who am I to complain about mm. some dumb shit right now? Mm. You know, my, my parents, you know, ran from communism in Cuba and had mm. to relocate different language, different culture. Who am I to complain right now? Mm. So I just look at, I drive from all those things and, I, and I'm grateful that I have a drive. Like I said, mm. and I don't take anything for granted. And I always want to give back to the things that have inspired me. So mm. that's a big driving force. So I look at everything that's inspired me from, from my, my family culture to music and hip hop mm. culture to the Ooh. pioneers that, that I looked up to growing up to my friends who have been supportive. It's like, mm. I feel like I, I owe all of that to do right by it, you know, by mm. them and by it. That's amazing the perspective that you have though. Like your mindset is on point, man. I mean, it's just such a great positive mindset. Even in your interviews though, when people bring up or try to ask you like bait questions or something like, what do you think about X, Y, Z and this X, Y, Z? You're like, I don't really want to talk about the problem. Let's start talking a lot about more about the solution. Like you don't put your nose in, in all these little problems. You're like, I don't want to hear that right now. Like you, you're like a Cuban guy through to you. Like, let's get back, man, to the, to the positivity here. Like, you know, uh, and I respect that about you. What would you say? I want to ask you a vulnerable question though, because I, you know, I think about hip hop culture all the time. You talk to some guys, and they're like, "Yo, man, you know, they're trying to be cool," and then some people are just cool, you know, and they're they're tough and they're really tough. But I'm like, is there anybody you've interviewed? Because I know you're a fan of the culture and hip hop. That you're like, I'm a little nervous here. Like this is some presence coming on the show. Like I need to like ten and two on this one. You know, is there anybody that made you just like? Damn! Wow, I'm, I'm sitting across or in the same room as this person. I mean, I've said that a lot of times, but I rarely get nervous. Yes. Um, but the person that that I was actually nervous with, mm. and it, it was my favorite. He's still one of my favorite favorite artists, you know. I mean, o- overall, of all of all mm. music, but of hip hop specifically, specifically, and emceeing and all that is Ice Cube. Ooh. Um, you know, yeah. huge Ice Cube fan. He, he was my favorite artist growing up. I have so much respect and admiration for everything he's done in his career mm. and continues to do. 
and just you know his presence is, is kind of like you know they're like you, know, you got to respect this dude you know what i'm saying like <laughs> he commands yeah. respect yeah so yeah. so i was nervous as as a fan and as as because you know it's ice cube and 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 it and we didn't get much time with him which i hope to have him on like yeah i don't see that as an official drink champs that we did with him it was he was mm. on a press run for a movie we were in atlanta mm. and, and he had his publicist and they kind of wrapped it pretty quick so i hope to have him back on but that was even nori noticed he's like damn i never noticed you nervous i was actually mm. really, really nervous Damn, but it, you know, you know, when they say, "Hey, if you if you met somebody you admired as a kid or like a hero, the worst thing you want to happen is like be disappointed that they were like you know an asshole or something." But right. I think you said, "Hey, you really enjoyed the time with him." Oh no, no, it was dope. It was dope, and he he was everything I expected him to be. You know, and let me nah, let was- me ask let me ask you this too, because like you 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 say this, and I notice other interviewers don't pick up on it a lot with you. You always make mention. You're like, Pitbull came. I was so shocked. The guy just showed up, just him, you know, just right. walked in, you know, and you, you make mention when people are almost, like, you're shocked that they didn't even come with this entourage. They just kind of rolled up. It's, it, is that because you, you admire like the humility? Is it just something that you're like, wow, like some people are at, you know, a level and their ego is still not even like they're, they're, they're super chill about it. You bring that up a lot. I mean, there's different reasons why I think I admire it or or I'm surprised by it because <clears throat> I wouldn't be mad at someone coming to Drink Champs where, I mean, if you watch Drink Champs, you see it's a bunch of dudes, everybody's smoking, <laughs> it gets yeah. kind of rowdy, you know, Nori's yeah. a street dude, you know, like, yeah. like you know, yeah. and if you know me, my crew from Miami, you know, people would say that they might say that we're street dudes, like, yeah. so, yeah. So, you know, I'm not mad if someone says, well, let me bring a little entourage. <laughs> <laughs> just, a, just a little security. <laughs> to balance that out, you know, just to yeah. balance it out, you know, just for a little, yeah. you know, emotional security. Yeah. Um, so it, sometimes it's just surprising and sometimes it is, yeah, it's, it's the humility that mm. that they just, you know, that they come dolo, that, that, that they, they feel good enough to, you know, just be by themselves. And I mean, Pitt, he knows, I've known Pitt since he was a kid mm. and he's known Nori, yes. so... You know, but Pitt, I think he just rolls that way, you know, especially in his own city of Miami. You know, he might not roll like that in another city. He probably will. But, but yeah, it it is, it is surprising. And and it is something that's like, oh, damn, this person came. That interview, though. Kanye came dolo. He came with, with, really? uh, He came with one other person. Yeah, Larry Hoover's son. Wow. Just like that, eh? Sheesh. He seems like an interesting, I mean, you know it. You, you, you obviously talked to him. He, He seems like an interesting character. I don't know. There's something cool about him, though, at the same time. So, um, last second, last question. What is, what is something, what, what, what do you prioritize in your life? Entertainment, education, or information scale of one to three. How would you knock those, those content pillars of those, what we take in as human beings is importance for you. Education, entertainment, information. I would almost couple information and education is one thing to me. Well, here's well, I'll, I'll I'll go back on you on that information education. The biggest difference for me is if you're educating me, you're giving me some knowledge. But if you're just telling me some bullshit noise, that's information. Gotcha. Doesn't mean it's good information. Gotcha. Just means you're trying to tell me some noise. So you know then, I mean? by, by that definition, I would say education, entertainment, information. Okay, I like that. Damn. But I like to be informed in the sense that I like to be educated on real things happening in the world. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's good. That's good. And I like I like perspectives as well. It might not I might not agree with someone's perspective mm. of the information the way that they're giving it, but I love to know all the different perspectives. 
That's the one. That's a good point you make because I, I think about all the time. I'm like, where did we get to as a human race, where you you know having a conversation with somebody? For me, I just I've always had this enriched in like my DNA. I don't have to agree with you, nor do I want to agree with you, or I don't want you to agree with me. But why can't you have like opposing perspectives and still be civil about it? Like, why can't you have friends and you're like, yo, we 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 banter back and forth all the time. You know, we don't agree on everything, but we're still homies, man. You know, but a lot of people nowadays, they're, oh, you don't agree with me? It's over. Like like marriage, marriage. There's like a high divorce rate. Oh, you don't agree? Something happened? Like gone. Right. I don't understand that. Like, do you, do you think that like it's crazy? To no, me. it's it, it's terrible. And I and I'm I <clears> talk <throat> to people all the time that they won't they won't hang out with people with opposing views. And yeah. I pride myself on the fact that like I I have my crew are, are people from all different backgrounds and 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 ethnicities and nationalities and and people with opposing political views. And we get into huge arguments. But at mm. the end of the day we're 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 friends we're brothers and mm. that is way more important than any of our views in fact mm. i love the engagement because maybe Ooh. i'll learn something maybe they'll they'll convince me of something i otherwise wasn't agreeing with and mm. and i'm down for that and i i love i think it's important that we understand opposing views and we understand perspectives and we understand mm. history a lot of people don't take history into account Oof. into why things are they just mm. think why they this needs to change or this shouldn't be because right now whatever's happening is wrong. Okay, but it's wrong, but maybe there's a historical reason why this is wrong that hasn't been fixed. Mm. And is the reason why a, 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 B, and C is happening. Let's look at history. Through that perspective, we might find the answer. They they who do not take time to study their history are blessed with the fate of repeating it. Fuckhead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just... You're gonna like the fate is there. I'm a big energy person, man. Like to the point where karma, like I don't, I don't say certain things. Like I don't talk about car accidents. Like my son were in the truck the other day and he's, dad, you know, what if we go off the cliff? I stop, man. Like I literally pull, I'm like, don't say that. He's like, it was like a dream. I didn't mean anything. I'm like, what you speak into the universe sometimes can happen. Like I, I just, I'm so paranoid that way. Yeah, I tell my my girl's always watching like crazy like murder shit and like oh, things yeah. that happen to kids, to kids, oh, and I get so mad no. at her. I'm like, you need to stop that right yeah. now. Isn't that interesting though? Once you become a parent, man, anything child related, like it's it just yeah. hits you oh, a yeah. different. And For you notice sure. certain things when you're out and about, like. Um, somebody walks uh, through a door of a store with a stroller, hold the door. Somebody like, what kind of car seat is that? How did they put, like, you notice these little nuances when you become right. a parent, right? Yeah, you Last question. Want, like a creepy person to walk by them. You're like, hey, what's up? <laughs> it, it's true, man. It's true. Uh, I taught, I taught my son too. It's so funny. I put him in his car seat and I always teach him because my back is in the vehicle and I, I'm very big on, not that it, like I've done anything bad, but I, the world's a weird place. Right. So when my back is turned to everything, I'm like, well, I got no eyes in the back of my head. So my son will literally always look over my shoulder. And I said, tell me if anybody's coming up behind daddy, mm. you know, because it's for me, it's two things. Number one, I like to be very aware of my surroundings. But number two, it teaches him to understand his surroundings without me just right. saying, it. you know what I mean? And it's a very interesting concept that way. Last question, man. What can I do for you? Nothing, man. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Keep being positive and keep spreading mm. that positivity. 
you know, people might think that I'm like this uber positive person. It's not the case. It's just that there's so much negativity out there. Mm. That, you know, we need to all be proactive and it may not be easy, but but let's continue to to, to push positivity. Let's let's try to find solutions. Let's let's, you know, support people that that, that, that I'm not gonna say deserve it, but, you know, just just whatever you're into. If, if, if you see someone doing something positive, support it. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't mm. don't don't need something back. Just support people. Oof. And trust me, like you've said, the karma and all that stuff, I believe in all that stuff, man. It all comes back. Man. It does, man. I, I appreciate that. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, super proud of everything you guys are doing. Uh, us Canadians love what you're doing. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure, man. It's an honor. I'm sure this won't be our last conversation either. If you need no, anything, you know, you, know how to, you know how to reach out to me, man. I'm, I'm here to support anyway I can. And send me the content, man, so I can repost it as well. I will, man. Take care, man. And go give your family some love and change some diapers. Ciao. Same, man. Same. Take it easy, brother. Peace. Ciao, man. (laughs) We're so glad you enjoyed this episode of the Ryan Holt Show podcast. Please don't forget to smash that five-star review as Team Holtz will love you for it. Also, say hi to Ryan anywhere on social media using the handle at RyanHoltz1. That's R-Y-A-N-H-O-L-T-Z, the number one. And if you or your business is looking to expand your brand, book a brand jam with Ryan using the link in the show notes.